know, if you're an engine guy and you're thrust into truck work, key is to make sure you bring tools with you. Far too often, engine people aren't used to carrying tools. Even when I have engine guys riding with me, I have to remind them, hey, listen, you're riding behind me. You're my irons guy. I need you to make sure you have a striking tool of some sort. Enchanted Sky Media. 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 From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Truck company operations are an important part of the fire ground, even when you don't have a dedicated truck company available. That's why, whether you're a truckie or not, you need a thorough knowledge of truck company operations, tools, and equipment. My guest today will be presenting on exactly that topic at Firehouse World 2020 in Vegas on the topic of top tips for effective truck company operations. Sean Egan is a 20-year veteran of the fire service. He's a captain with the Buffalo, New York Fire Department. He's also a part-time instructor for the New York State Office of Fire Prevention and Control Special Operations Branch. And Sean Egan joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hey, how are you, Scott? Doing well, thanks. Hey, let's start with the basic question. What if we don't have a truck available? How much of the truckies job can an engine company realistically do? I think, honestly, they, they could do most. Obviously, if it's if you're running a straight-up engine company, you, you could do, you know, you could certainly do the force plunger. You could still do the ventilation. Dedicating people to topside ventilation or uh, vertical ventilation, as we will, might be difficult. It all it's all depends on the amount of people you get. I mean, if you have the staffing to get it done, even if you don't have a truck company, most of the work can get done. It all needs to get done at some point. So the 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 better, the quicker you can dedicate resources to it, the better off I think you'll be. Are most engine company firefighters prepared to do this stuff? I don't know. I'd like to think so. So, it, it, you know, back here home at home, we try to do early on in the, in the careers when they're rookies and whatnot, they try to shoot them from the engine to the truck. So they get a little experience doing both. Now in the volunteer world, you can't, but when they, I assume when the chiefs and the training officers are running their weekly or weekly drills, they, they have to do equal amounts of stretching versus truck company stuff to get get their members prepared. So it sounds like it's all based on how you train and what you train for. I'd say that's key in the fire service. We do as much as we can. You know, the the, the old saying, uh, you master the basics until they become advanced. <laughs> all right, let's talk about that famous uh, abbreviation, Lover's You. There's at least a couple variations on it. The one you use is ladder overhaul ventilation and free rescue salvage utility. Absolutely. How important is that acronym these days? Well, I think it's really important. I think it holds true. And like you said, there are certainly modifications of it. I've seen people add the tick to it and other 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 spot pieces of the acronym to remind people to make reports back to the command post, things like that. But these are the six things that need to get done. And 
not necessarily in order, of course. You know, the, the fire service is great for acronyms, but these are the operation the, the truck truck operations that need to get done at every every incident for the most part. And again, they're not in order, but you, you really need, you know, the fire suppression goes better once we when we have good ventilation. Obviously, search and rescue is our, our priority. We do this for them. Laddering overhaul the utilities is one thing. Um, it's kind of hanging out on its own down there because that's a truck job if you have people, right? If I, I'm not going to have someone go control the utilities when I still have primary searches that need to get done. But in our world, we'll have the fast the fast trucker, the guys doing RIT uh, can maybe go control the utilities or a couple teams of extra people that might just ha- not have an assignment yet. But all these are important. I mean, you, you, and you know, you have salvage and every other thing that you, you can do once the scene progresses. Now, that's kind of interesting that you say to use the RIC team guides for utilities. Is that what you typically do, or is that just a possibility? Generally, here, we wouldn't normally want to do that. We want to try to keep the, the we call it the fast team. Uh, we, we would want to keep them minimally involved. Uh, we want them doing extra set of eyes out there. Obviously, we want them listening to the radio. Our people, especially when my truck is the fast team, we get ladders to all four sides if we could do it. We want to get get finish up the 360. But we have the beauty of sending a – we send 29 or so firefighters to every box. So we have enough bodies that we can get somebody to control the utilities. But it's very rare that one of our chiefs would order us to do it unless it became an emergency situation where, you know, the, 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 they couldn't make a fire floor because the gas, the gas line was severed or, or they were getting shocked because there was some exposed electric. Right, and then I also imagine that you guys don't have the problem of not having a truck crew available. It's very, very rare. We, for the most part, we have, in the, in the city of Buffalo, we have nine truck companies. Uh, we send three on every box. Again, this third truck is always deemed our fast truck. If If stuff's going on where we have more incidents or more than one fire, which happens, so they do, they do, and, occasionally assign an engine company to be the fast team. Um, They would just get the gear off of one of the ladder trucks on the scene. Now, they've been around for years and years, but how has the Quint blurred the lines between trucks and engines? Well, we had a big, big, big fight back here. I know you used to be from Rochester, so I I know Rochester used to do the Quint Mady system. And we have one truck now in the city that would still operate as a that is still considered a quint. We don't use it for that. Our trucks are all ladder companies, even if they have, you know, all of them have pumps now, but even if they have a water tank. So it did blur the lines. They're a great tool. If you, if you're using them, if you don't have the staffing or you're in the volunteer world where you have the equipment has to function and do both here, we, we, we just don't use them again. The trucks are trucks and, and it's mostly a staff, you know, in, in the career department, especially up here in New York state, we're always fighting for staffing. We're always fighting for manpower. So, you know, we, we looked at Quince as kind of uh, job killers and we, we convinced our powers that be through a lot of work from uh, some of our older at the time chief officers and whatnot that the way we operated worked best for us. You now, Quint certainly do a great job. Again, if, if you're limited staffing or you have to do you know, the whole fire service in general is doing more with less now. But they're a great tool. If, if that's what you have to use, you have to use. Like, like I said, if, if you don't have the manpower to get all the rigs to the scene, if you have a rig that can do both, that's great. So how many people would you put on a Quint? Four, six? Well, all I know, all I'm familiar with is operate. we operate with four-person trucks. If you could have six, 
Um, a lot of them are, that'd be tight. It'd be tough to get six people in the back. Um, we, we occasionally can run five on our trucks, but if you, if you could get six people operating, it's perfect. You have your turntable guy, you have somebody operating aerial, and then you still have people that can, you know, make your stretches and run your hand lines off of them. Of course, that's wishful thinking for a lot of departments where they're barely able to staff a rig. Absolutely. So what do you think is the minimum staffing for an engine company that's in out in the real world somewhere where they don't have any real money for this anymore? It always amazes me talking to friends and people around the country. I don't know how people do do what they do with three people or two people on an engine company. Uh, I, I think you should always have four. It just it it allows all the tasks that need to be accomplished to be accomplished safely and you still have your your apparatus operator can focus strictly on a run into pumps. Your officer can be the officer and your other guys can do the stretching. So then going back to the original topic, because we have sort of diverged, if you're on an engine company and you arrive and you have to do the work of a truckie, what do you need to know that you don't normally do as an engine company member? So if you're going to have to do the work of a truckie, you have to especially – before you start popping windows or popping doors, you have to make sure your your lines are stretched. I mean, as an engine guy, you should understand that you have to coordinate ventilation. But far too often, you see people that, oh, I got to get ventilate this heat or you know, before I can make a stretch. But then, you, as we know, you're going to make things worse. So the engine guys that are thrust into truck work, the key is to to just go in order. You know, can the engine get in? Great. The force entry is out of the question. Now I got to start worried about search. You know, I don't believe in reports that everybody's out. We always like to do searches anyways, just to be sure. So just follow right in order. Search, rescue, vent as you go, as long as you know the hand lines are in place. And then as this, as the scene progresses, you know, generally our first due truck that we have, their job is entry, searching, horizontal ventilation. And then the chief, as the scene progresses, will start to assign companies to get into the salvage work. And like I said, that's generally, if you if you have the manpower to do it while you're operating, that's great. Very, very, very few people have that. But, you know, if you're an engine guy and you're thrust into truck work, just start with the basics. Entry, search, rescue, vent. And then once we get the fire knocked down or while we're searching for fire, we got to start overhauling. Find, looking for extension, checking where things go. Key is to make sure you bring tools with you. Far too often, engine people aren't used to carrying tools. They'll get off the rig or they're, even when I have engine guys riding with me, I have to remind them, hey, listen, you're riding behind me. You're my irons guy. I need you to make sure you have a striking tool of some sort. Uh, you have two hands, you carry two tools. That's a big argument or a big, not an argument per se, but that's something that's debated back and forth. What do we, you know, do I carry a hook and a and an axe and a maul? Uh, I, I like my guys to have two tools. It's just easier. You're not, you know, you get inside and now you're on the second floor or in an attic and you you can't and you need a different tool. This way, if you have it with you, even if you set it aside, you know, bring your tools with you and just follow the, the chain. You know, get someone that, you know, I assume you're not going to be by yourself. So somebody will be there to help you. But get that place opened up. Help get that line in place. And that's the other thing for the engine guys you should know. If you see a hose line at your feet, grab it. <laughs> grab a couple feet, drag it, help those guys that are stretching. Those guys are working hard. So do you suggest if you've got two or three guys that they each carry two different things and then assign them what to carry? I generally don't assign per se. I, again, the, the person behind me 
I want carrying some type of striking tool so that he can help me with force force entry. And then I want him bringing a six foot hook, but it depends on the building. So if we're talking a wood frame structure, I'm going to have my Halligan. I'll have my tick, my forcible entry firefighter or the firefighter behind me. I'd let, I want him to have a mall or a flathead ax. Generally these guys are bringing the splitting malls. My, my driver, I want bringing a hook with them. And the tillerman, we call it, which is the guy riding behind the driver, he should have a, a pike axe of some sort or, you know, there's all kinds of tools out there. In, ge- in general, in Buffalo, we have pike axes, flathead axes and malls is all we have on the rigs. But I also want him to have a hook. That way they can operate in two person teams. Our trucks right now only have one tick on them. So generally the officer is going to have that. And then when you start dealing with a commercial building, I'm going to start adding things like the water can. I want to bring in a water can with them. I want to bring in a rabbit tool or the hydro ram, some type of hydraulic forceful entry tool. Again, I'll have my Halligan and tick. But when we're inside a commercial building or a larger building like that, we're going to stay together and operate as one unit. I'm glad you mentioned the water can because I did want to talk about that. Do you find there are some firefighters who don't realize the value of it and don't really want to deal with it? I think... Starting out, they're probably that way. Oh, it's one extra thing to carry, especially when you're dealing with some type of high-rise building when you're going in for a smells and bells type of call. It's one extra thing to carry. Most of ours, we retrofitted them and used the two-inch webbing you know, to create a strap for it, so it's a lot easier to carry. But I think once they see it in action and they understand that what that two-and-a-half gallons of water can do to hold a fire for you for a few minutes or to knock, knock something down quick so you can do a search or get yourself out, I think they're sold pretty quick. It all comes down to training with it. And the water can is a perfect tool to train with because you can train. You can empty it all day long. It takes no, no, nothing to fill it back up, a garden hose and an air chock for your compressor. But I think, I think starting out, I don't see firefighters carrying it as much as I'd like as part of their first due cash. You know, even in regular house fires, if an engine's delayed, I'll, I'll have one of my guys grab a can just to be safe, just in case we can do a little something. Yeah, and like you said, if you can hold it for a minute or two, that may be all it takes. Yeah, if you're careful, you you, know, you can stretch that water out pretty well. And we're putting a little bit of foam mixed in with ours, and that's helping get a little you know, a little bit of the foam that's left over into bottles when we fill the rigs. So that helps get that bu- the bubbly water a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think firefighters sometimes forget how little water can do the job. Absolutely. When Kurt Isaacson speaks, he'll talk about how you can often – do a lot to put a fire down with just your tank water without even relying on the hydrant if you use it correctly. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And you know, it's it's all about stretching. It's about the right hand line selection. It's about nozzle selection and all that. And we're not gonna, you know, we could jump the shark and talk about that for hours. But you're right. Little, you know, there's a whole class. I believe it's his. That's you know, little drops of water. It, it can do a lot for you. So, what tips do you have for newbies who are on the truck? Listen and learn. Read. You know, podcasts, there's a ton of great podcasts out there. There's a ton of information out available on the internet for you. And um, talk to the old timers, you know, all old firemen were young firemen at one point for the most part. And um, their job is to make you an old fireman. So if you have a good, an, an old salty dog at your fire hall or at your firehouse, just talk truck stuff with them. Just like engine, there's engine purists out there. And obviously I'm not knocking the engine company. I, 
I spend equal amount of time in my career so far on the engine. But there's purists that think that the joke all the time here is that, you know, the truck guys think we could just chop the fire out. So get out there, ask questions, uh, reach out to me if you want. I'm certainly not a guru, but I offer what I can to help you out. But yeah, yeah, there's so much information out there. There's so many great groups now with social media. There's so many great podcasts that the information's there. You just have to go look for it. All right. So you'll be speaking on truck operations at Firehouse World 2020 in Vegas this year, right? Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Good. We are too. Sean Egan, thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sean has a lot of ideas for what he wants to see truckies and engine companies do. What are your preferences? Where do you stand on quints? And what tips do you have for new truck company members? You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash truckies. There's a link to more resources there as well. You know, this show wouldn't be possible without the support of the super fans who have made a pledge at our Patreon page. Why not join them? It's easy. Head over to code3podcast.com slash support. If you donate 10 bucks a month or more, you'll get instant access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions, too. Those are extra content we make available exclusively to patrons who pledge $10 a month or more. So make your pledge today. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I sure hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.